0: Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese
1: of Sioux City.
0: What? Where the hell is Sioux City?
1: Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. Father, it's good to be with you in these days of June as we're recording this podcast. Um, June's a great month, Feast of the Sacred Heart, but also just recently we celebrated the Feast of Corpus Christi, the Solemnity <laughs> of the Body and Blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: One of our favorite um, healing students, I won't I won't call him out, um, you'll probably know who I'm talking about in a sec, but... Okay, he hangs around, right, he comes to a lot of stuff. You, he might have had a, a pretty awkward encounter with you during our pilgrimage that we met you at St. Louis. Um, uh-huh. he accidentally he was talking, he talks fast very often, and he accidentally said Corpus Crispy the other day instead of Corpus okay. Christi, which became kind of a funny thing because sometimes, you know, well, altar breads get a little dried out sometimes, sure. <laughs> crispy. So,
1: anyways, so we celebrated Corpus, Corpus Christi, Christi, the body of Christ, Christi, that's right, that's right, yes. Uh, the solemnity of a body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and what we're seeing. At least for for us, con, you know, recording here uh, these podcasts in the context of the Midwest of the United States, but I think it's happening around the country. We're seeing just recently in, in these past few years a real resurgence of Corpus Christi processions. Yes, um, wanting to be um, really present to honor the the, uh, the sacred presence of our Lord present in the Eucharist, um, and doing so in a very formal, solemn way of a procession shows that honor, shows that respect. That the King of the Universe is still with us here in His Eucharistic presence, uh, but it also takes our Lord to the streets. Mm-hmm. It gives an evangelical witness to say, if we have this great gift, why not share it with the world, and why not actually show people Jesus? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, go figure, right?
0: <laughs> well, and it's interesting because today, more than ever, those processions in a, as we've talked so often before, right, about this, the lack of a Christendom culture, right? I mean, if you would have done a Eucharist procession in the past, it would have been beautiful, and everybody's there. And, you know, I experienced a, a Eucharistic procession in in Turin, in Italy, when we were there together, Father Shane, with that Eucharistic miracle church mm-hmm. that we stopped at. Mm-hmm. There was a procession on the feast day of the Eucharistic miracle from the cathedral where the shroud is and where um, Pier Giorgio Versati is buried, to that church. Mm-hmm. And getting to see a Eucharistic procession in Italy, right, people were popping out of their balconies and kneeling and uh, genuflecting as, as the Blessed Sacrament was processed by, right, because mm-hmm. there's this you know, ingrained Catholic culture. And I got to experience a Eucharistic procession in Guatemala when I was there studying Spanish. That particular diocese, they have such devotion to this feast and they love their processions that every parish in the diocese gets one day of June or July. They expand it all the way out to celebrate the feast so mm. that they can have a procession, so they, they can kind of spread the resources. So I once That's went on beautiful. a four-hour Eucharistic procession in the, in a mountain village of Guatemala but it's interesting today, especially in the U.S., that the kind of odd, extra, outward-facing kind of gesture and posture of the church, it's different than it probably has ever been, right? Mm-hmm. When you went down the street, just, I mean, even in the past in the U.S., but just like in Italy, there, there's not a certain hostility toward the faith, nor is there kind of that indifference. It's, there, there's an ingrained, oh, yes, I know what this is. Um, you know, in, in Guatemala, too, everybody had their houses decorated, the streets decorated, everybody came to the procession, even if not just for the tradition of it. But now there's something different, right? There's something saying, "No, we do believe um, that Christ is present with us, and we have a desire to sh- to share that and make a public you know gesture of that to the world. So yeah, it's pretty striking. yeah,
1: that's beautiful it's It's a beautiful month it's It's great to have these these devotions in the life of the church, which in not only mark and celebrate our own faith but make it prominent in a way that's attractive and and inviting towards others. So it's a great month, and it's good to be recording with you and be with our listeners this month, Father. For our topic today, um, I'd like to talk about a bad word. Oh no! All right, it's a very, very, very bad word. You
0: don't often say bad words. It's surprising coming. From it's
1: you. so bad. It's the W word. <laughs> and if that's Whoa. not, if that's not immediately, you know, calling to mind something in your profane vocabulary. <laughs> Uh, if it 's not immediately ringing a bell with profanity, we have want to parents talk about, who just
0: who just slammed the volume control down on the on the car radio. <gasps> they clutched their pearls. How dare these priests use a bad word
1: we 're going to talk about a bad word today it 's the w word it 's the word worthy
0: oh everybody no what what, what?
1: shocking and scandaloso. I know, you know, the word worthy does not exactly come across as, as a uh, profane word. It doesn't exactly scream, you know, cursing or profanity. But I'd like to talk about that in terms of the spiritual life mm. and what that does to us as a bad word when it gets deep into our vocabulary, into our deep into our spiritual psyche, and how that can really ingrain in each one of us a sense of being an outcast before the Lord and before his bride, the church the communion of believers, um, the bad word worthy. And so where does it come up as? It comes up all the time as like, well, I'm not really worthy of God's love, right? Don't you remember that really, really bad thing I did like five years ago? Clearly that means I'm going to hell and that the Lord really can't offer me true redemption, right? Um, I'm not really worthy to go to prayer and receive graces of consolation, similar to what we discussed, you know, a couple of weeks ago in that episode. I'm not really worthy to have Jesus improve my life because I'm so terrible. Um, and for anyone who's kind of fought with um, lots of self-loathing, anyone who's really dealt with uh, a lot of negative self-talk, in which we tell ourselves that we're full of these lies, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthwhile for anyone's time and attention. And certainly Jesus doesn't even love me um, because I'm, I'm just not worthy of his goodness. I'm just not worthy of actually having a life full of blessing. That becomes really, really poisonous in a spiritual life. And, it, and and we have to start asking ourselves, is the self-loathing and the lies that we tell ourselves really rooted in a false vocabulary that has to be really exercised out of our life? It really has to be... Um, Uh, removed, you know, just because of its poisonousness. Does that make sense?
0: (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. And not just removed, but then actually given a proper understanding because that word actually does come up in some ways I'm thinking right now. The most typical, you know, experience of hearing that, and you're obviously in seminary formation now, is the classic, I don't feel worthy, right, to become a Mm -hmm. priest, right? Mm -hmm. Because of my sins, because of my weaknesses, because of my inadequacies, I don't feel worthy, right? So then the measure of my worthiness is on me, right? And my, how, how well I've done or how well I haven't done. You know, I've been talking about this recently by Shane, and I think this taps right into it. When we live out of that lie of thinking that we're not worth anything, we're not worthy, and this has come up a lot in my own prayer, but I was sharing with the men on the, on the, the recent trip to the Rockies, the quest trip we talked about, when we find ourselves in that lie, then we often waffle back and forth between inadequacy and pride. Right, mm-hmm. We flip back and forth between I'm feeling so crushed by my feelings of unworthiness that then I need to overcompensate through pride. Well, at least I'm not as bad as these people over here, right? And then and your, your pride only lasts so long and it's like, oh man, I'm a huge piece of crap, right? And so mm-hmm. it just flips back and forth and it's such a lack of freedom. I mean, like being chained by that feeling that like I am the measure of everything, right? And my self-worth comes from what I do or what I don't do, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than, and I think this is where the healings come for me and my experience of formation and so many people who experience the quality formation at seminary or, or on Newman Centers or, you know, praise God if it happens earlier, like when you're in high school or like with your family members to recognize that my worth, my identity comes from whose I am rather than what I do or what I don't do, right? Mm-hmm. That's the game changer there is to say that, wait, I'm actually, I'm worthy of, of God's love. He created me. He redeemed me through the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension to heaven, through all the sacraments. Like he's the one who actually is, he's worthy as we hear in revelation. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you just said it well, in terms of like the theological context, um, None of us are technically worthy as sinners of God's love. I mean, we're his mere creatures, and he's the infinite God of the universe. But he created us with a purpose, and Christ, the second person of the Trinity, comes to earth to redeem us. So we must be worthwhile. You know, worthwhile comes from the same word root as as being worthy, right? God must have thought you were worthwhile to get up on the cross and die for your sins and to redeem you and call you into eternal blessedness. He must have thought you were worthwhile. Mm. Why did he go through the effort to create this entire beautiful world that we're in and the whole plan of salvation that culminated in his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension? He must have thought you were worthwhile. Mm. And in fact, you are. Um, Even in the midst of knowing our littleness, even in the midst of knowing our inadequacy as a creature before the creator. And yet, why do we have such a hard time celebrating that and just accepting that Mm -hmm. to say, yeah, I'm not worthy in my littleness, but God must thought I'm worthy to give me this great gift of his eternal love. So I'm just going to actually receive that and not try and play mind games with myself Mm. and not try and create this false humility. Well, yes, I know Jesus, you want me to give the gift of, you want me to have the gift of, of salvation freely given by you, but I'm not worthy. So we'll just move on and I'll just keep telling myself that I'm not worthy but once again, I'm not worthy. You know, and this just keeps cycling over and over yes. again. And then what happens? You reject the invitation to be in communion with God. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you play these these games with yourself, and the and the psyche just keeps playing over and over again that you're not worthy of God's infinite love. Well, then you constantly just create this barrier to say, "I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy," and therefore, I will not receive. Mm-hmm. I will not receive the graces and the gift of communion that the Lord gives me according to my own capacity. And I will just sit here in my own isolation, convincing myself that I will have to be alone because I'm not worthy of him. Mm -hmm. As opposed to say, let's break down the lies. Let's break down these these negative, self-loathing, bad words that flood the mind and say, I will just receive for the sake of being in communion with the one who's madly in love with me. Yeah. What would the church look like? What would the world look like if everyone could just simply receive that uh, and that, that open disposition of receptivity to say, yeah, I'm not worthy, but I'm going to receive nevertheless because the communion with him is so important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kind of classic sp- spiritual direction question is, and if somebody shares something, especially like a thought or a, well, yeah, a thought. It doesn't always have to be a thought, feeling a desire. The question is later discerned whether that's true or whether that's a lie, right? Mm-hmm. But the quite uh, such a good question is whose voice is that, right? Where's that coming from? Right. There's that kind of breakdown of, you say voice here. I mean, this, a thought a feeling a desire is it coming from me? Is it coming from God? Is it coming from the evil one? Is it coming from a combination of kind of me and, and how the evil one kind of plays that out? Right. I think that's a, such an important question. It's so interesting in the context of spiritual direction or in just conversations. When you ask that question, it immediately becomes clear that that's not coming from Jesus, mm-hmm. right? This feeling, this overwhelming feeling of my unworthiness before him, is that coming from God? Who's that coming from, right? But that's where the truth of the scriptures are so helpful to speak into those moments and that compelling line from Revelation that the accuser of our brothers has been cast out, who night and day accuse them before God, right? The accuser, Satanas, the Satan, who accuses us, right? And then the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who defends us, Right? Mm-hmm. In our identity, in our worthiness, this recognition that, wait, am I just listening to this lie that says I'm not worthy, right? And like you were saying before, Father Shane, but I think it's so important to say, okay, if I find myself with these thoughts, with these feelings that are overwhelming me sometimes, and that keep me stuck in this apathy in my spiritual life, well, then whose voice is that?
1: Mm-hmm. Who's
0: actually saying that to me? And even just the attentiveness and awareness of that question quickly reveals that it, that's not from God.
1: Mm-hmm. And what does
0: God have to say to me, Right. Um, It's interesting in the ordination rites in both the Roman rite, um, the Latin rite of the church, and the only other one I'm familiar with is the Byzantine rite. The word worthy is actually used a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, we use it one particular time in the Roman rite, and you just said it, um, for Father Peter Fomm's ordination recently, right? Well, the bishop asks it, right, as the vocation director, whoever might be the priest who steps up and presents the man to the bishop, the bishop's question is, do you find him to be worthy? Do you know him to be worthy? And the response is, right, after inquiry of the people in charge of his formation, you know, yes, we find him to be worthy. In the Byzantine church, they have a hymn, Akios, is worthy in in Greek, right? And they chant Mm -hmm. it over and over and over and over again that this man has been found worthy. But any man who's in that position, who's kneeling before the bishop in ordination, knows that his worth is not on himself. He was so awesome, and he got these degrees, and he was really cool in parishes and really good in ministry. And that's why he's being ordained a priest, because he's so awesome, right? No, you, you realize that it's a gift, and this gets mm-hmm. back to your idea of receptivity, that no, the, any worthiness that I have in front of God is his gift to me, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's beca- precisely because we can break through the lies and the baloney about this, get, get, this mentality of getting caught up in our own worthy, worthiness before the Lord. Once we break through that, what remains, there's just this huge, big invitation staring us in the face mm. to just remaining with the Lord right Mm -hmm. um and and a guy who's being ordained as you as you just articulated really feels that on his ordination day this whole gift of priesthood when a man uh, lays down prostrate on the ground and we pray the litany of the saints over him the bishop lays hands on him they pray the the prayer of uh, of consecration over him the prayer of ordination when that happens a man just like i am not worthy of this but standing here in the midst of the sacramental rite is Jesus and the invitation to be with him as a priest and the invitation to go out and serve him on mission, to be with his, to be with him through his people. That invitation is right there for the taking. Mm. And, and that's what we have to press through to in our own spiritual journey. Otherwise we stay up in the, uh, in the foyer, we stay up in the, you know, kind of the, the threshold of the doorway, getting caught up in the lies of being worthwhile before God and and we never move we never advance and th- there's kind of this this paralyzed feeling that uh that can creep in and, and really take over the entire spiritual life
0: there is there is oh man father Shannon, it's such a good thought i think it's going to come back to me now i really hope it does i want to just bring okay. this into this idea of like how we feel so outcast so often before god yes here it is boom we're talking about ordination but ordination flows from our baptism Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I got to celebrate a baptism, which was unexpected. I was covering Masses back in Lamar's, and I got to celebrate a baptism of a family that I knew well. It just so happened to work out that after the Mass, the, the, one of the priests was not able to be there. And I was able to celebrate the baptism, which is beautiful. Baptisms are a, such a beautiful sacrament to celebrate because what comes through is that it's all gift, right? Mm-hmm. And those who feel especially outcast from the church, those who feel kind of like the church is out of touch— can maybe have a, a criticism on infant baptism that it says, well, you're just kind of sh- forcing that on them, right? There's no choice there. But mm-hmm. I think if you're a parent and you, you're realizing the gift that you're, you're wanting from God for your child, right? And the, the baptismal liturgy actually like says these things, right? Like you're asking for this gift from God. Um, it's, it's this recognition in the midst of the baptism, right? Usually there's toddlers screaming and, you know, just like running all over the place, but the words just so beautiful. To realize that this is this total gift, and I actually just I just celebrated my um, baptismal anniversary myself just recently, and hmm. that was what was on my mind and heart the whole day. Was like I didn't deserve this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so beautiful. My the priest who baptized me is still alive, and he lives in Sioux City, so I was able to text him and I said, "Hey, thanks for giving me new life by water and the Holy Spirit." Thirty, you know, thirty years ago. I don't know. Could you hear that phone call coming through? No. Oh, good. Well, I heard it in my headphones, so I'm glad that didn't work out. Anyways, Father Max Carson, sorry I couldn't talk to you right now because we're recording podcasts. But, anyways, um, yeah, this recognition that baptism is this first place where I experience my worthiness before God. He has Mm -hmm. called me, right? And named me his beloved son, you know, as he identifies me with Jesus, who's now present with me through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? There's a real recognition that my worthiness comes from him, that he's given himself
1: to me. Yeah. Good thoughts. Well, Father, it's good to be with you. Uh, Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Uh, Just keep track of kind of the the self-talk that we give ourselves and receive the gift of God's eternal love in a deeper relationship and a call and invitation to communion. Thanks, Father. Let's keep each other in prayer. Likewise. Remember, you're worthy in God's eyes.
0: Amen. God bless. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.